The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So like I always like to do, um, I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'm just going to dive right on in. There is, right now, there's a lot of frustration, and there's a lot of anger, and quite frankly, it's justified. So last week, I talked about not, I don't think, a great, great deal. Um, I mean, there were certain points that I went on about at length, but there were other aspects of an overall issue um, that I didn't really talk to, talk to that much. I might have uh, really kind of just alluded to it. So what I'm talking about is uh, Mayor Wu's vaccine mandate, uh, showing vaccine passports uh, in certain businesses, uh, including restaurants and gyms uh, and the like. And Again, you know, the anger and frustration is is completely justified. I think a lot of the issues that have transpired have been or have have derived, why don't I phrase it that way, have derived from really kind of um, a certain amount of obtuseness, uh, a certain amount of really kind of, um, I guess there's no other way to describe it, but cluelessness. Uh, I find that there are a lot of people all around that are very inconsiderate. They're, they're lacking in compassion. Uh, there's a real inability to put oneself in the shoes of another. And when you're talking about people who should be public servants, but instead they're politicians, that just, you know, makes a bad situation that much worse. So as I've said on previous shows, a a really big issue that I have noticed is that there's a real lack of coordination uh, in regard to the dissemination of information, the content of that information and its dissemination uh, among the different levels of government. And, you know, as I've also pointed out, even, you know, uh, if we're talking the same level of government, like, so take a municipal, local, I mean, you can go from one city or town to another 
and you can have different policies. And I don't think that that's helpful. I really don't. And I think that it adds or it gives rise to a lot of people who don't do anyone any kind of favors. Um, You know, they have their own agenda. Uh, You know, so even if we didn't have this pandemic, even if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic, I, I, you know, these people would still have uh, their talking points, um, but they've become more vocal and they've uh, been given, or they've been able to grab, maybe I should say it like that, they've been able to grab uh, a more sizable share of attention because of everything that's going on. Uh, these people should not have an opening. Um, it's, and yeah, and that, that's all there is to say on that point. Uh, they shouldn't have an opening and they can be shut down and shut up if the information that's put out is is consistent. If it's, if, again, if there's that coordination, if there's uh, some kind of cohesiveness and, and there really, there just isn't. And then, of course, you know, there, there's this, there's this kind of, okay, the rules are for you, but not for me. So there's that, also that mindset, which is, which is coming from people who are supposed to be public servants, but they're politicians. So uh, very recently, there was a, uh, you know, we had the in the first Suffolk and Middlesex Senate district, there was a special election, and there was a photograph of Senator. I can't even say Senator elect because the general election uh, hasn't taken place yet. Um, but it looks like she's going to win um, because, uh, as expected, the Massachusetts Republican Party hasn't put up any candidate. Uh, I had heard that there was a candidate who was trying to uh, get signatures or try to organize himself, um, but I don't really want to speak to what I heard. Um, if I have something definite, that's what I'll share. But if I don't have anything definite, uh, I don't really want to traffic and rumor, you know, what this one said or that one said. Um, but, you know... Lydia Edwards, she won the Democratic primary, and there was uh, a photo taken of her, um, of what, you know, was a, a victory party at Spinelli's in East Boston, and she wasn't wearing a mask. And, you know, there were others at the event that weren't wearing masks. Now, I think the problem is, is that, again, if you don't have a cohesive message, if there isn't a coordination of, of information, uh, you know, in terms of, again, the content and how it's, how it's distributed, disseminated uh, to the mass public, I mean, people, people are less likely to sit back and and take something like a vaccine, you know, news of a vaccine passport needing to show such a thing or vaccine mandate, they're less likely to take that well. 
They're going to uh, zero in on the inconsistencies. They're going to point out that there are rules in place, but it doesn't seem like the political class, members of the political class have to follow it. And again, I understand that. And I honestly think that people would have been all along a lot less combative. I mean, at this point, people are ready to, I think there are enough people, certainly not everybody, but there there are enough people who are ready to descend into the streets with pitchforks. They're so upset and they're so angry. And I think that, you know, because it's been building, because we're entering, what, our third year of this pandemic. And it's just, you know, what we're getting from government at every level. I mean, you know, politicians still don't, you know, they still don't have their act together. And so, again, people, people are are going to be combative. And, you know, for members of the political class to criticize that combativeness, that's just going to give rise to more tension. I mean, let's be clear. Like I said, you know, there, there, there would have been an element, even without a pandemic, there would have been people to decry vaccines, the, the mandating of vaccines, the, the talking points that we're hearing from the anti-vax crowd, um, I think that they, they're always there. Okay, but their talking points are getting more play, right? Um, but I think that a lot of other people, they're relatively reasonable. I think that a lot of people around here are, are fairly reasonable. Um, they're open to hearing different perspectives they 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 want to be relatively considerate i mean they they try to be relatively considerate but it's again i i think that what needed to be done and what's still not being done is a thought for not just physical health, but mental health. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how mental health has been impacted, and yet many members of the political class, um, starting with Mayor Wu, um, are engaging in activity, have made decisions that are going to contribute adversely or impact adversely people's mental health. It's going to contribute to people's stress. Uh, as I, I, you know, earlier, I, I, I used the word frustration. I used the word anger. It's going to contribute to all of that. Um, but I think also people are forgetting, uh, people, members of the political class, Mayor Wu, uh, they're not paying enough attention to the financial health. And I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, know why that is. I mean, one industry, if you will, if I can refer to it as such, that has not missed a beat throughout this whole pandemic is government. I mean, 
politicians, of course, elected officials and their staff, they've all continued to collect and cash checks. But many members of their constituency constituencies have not been as lucky. And I think that a little bit of compassion and a little bit of understanding of, 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 of the entirety of the situation, that would have gone a long way. I mean, don't get me wrong. People would still be, I'm going to say upset, and, and even the reasonable ones, because this has been a long time, right? Where, again, we're, I guess we're entering our third year, but I think that people would be not as irate if there had been any effort whatsoever um, made to understand that not everyone has been as lucky as these elected officials uh, to be able to to collect collect checks. Uh, I mean, the, their hours have not been cut. They have not had to worry about how they're going to make rent uh, or pay their mortgages. Uh, they have not had to worry about putting food on their tables. And I, I just, I, I can't believe that they don't understand or that they can't possibly imagine that not everyone has their good fortune. And it's just, it's, it's about compassion. It's about understanding. And, you know, a few other things that I, I, I kind of ran through as well, enumerated. But, uh, I mean, certainly that, that, would, that would go a long way. Now, speaking about the financial health, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I'm very concerned. Uh, you know, I'm someone who, I, look, I listen to all perspectives. Even if I don't like them, I listen to them. Um, I, I, I try to be reasonable. I'll use that word reasonable again. So I listen to all perspectives. <laughs> And I find that it's not just the elected officials. You know, you have the the extremists on both sides um, that that are impossible as well. Uh, you have the people who, if you even express any kind of openness to getting vaccinated, they're ready to light you on fire. And then you have the people on the other side that if you're not wearing triple masks— and if you're not making plans to go for your booster and looking forward to the second or third booster, should it come out, uh, they're ready to light you on fire. So it's <laughs> all around. But I, I think that, again, it's my concern, you know, listening to everyone, you know, I take, I take wisdom. You know, if people make good points, I, you know, I take it from where I can get it um, because there's not a whole lot of wisdom. There are not a whole lot of good points that have been made. 
uh, lately. Um, but I, I, I just, I have to say that there's not enough, there's not enough concern for the financial health of people. And, and I think that that contributes, uh, to, to the state of mental health. It also contributes to, to physical health. I mean, when when you're talking about someone's physical health, it's not divorced from his or her uh, mental health, not, you know, not in my opinion. And and certainly if someone doesn't know if he or she's going to be able to pay the essentials such as rent or mortgage and pay for food, you know, that's, that's, (laughs) that, that, I mean, how can that not affect someone mentally and physically? So it it's just I I I find it almost cruel that Mayor Wu is proceeding in the fashion that she is. I, I it's just a little bit of concern for the businesses. I, I heard her talking about how she's going to work with them to make sure that the regulations are implemented, everything's in place. I would like her to talk about how she's going to work with them to make sure that they can stay afloat and that they, that that the businesses, you know, the restaurants, the gyms that have been able to navigate these, these very difficult times that they're able to continue to do so. It's, I mean, I can't stress this enough when you, when you're talking about someone's bottom line, People, people get, (laughs) people get defensive, people get upset. And even people that want to be open-minded or rational, they can sometimes, (laughs) they can sometimes come off uh, quite the opposite. So it's, I, I don't really know what there is to say because everything, you know, is is being wrapped up in language that is, it's almost odd. It's like, here here's a vaccine, you know, we're talking about a vac- vaccine passports, we're talking about vaccine mandates, and we're trying to be rational here. We're We're trying to be logical. We have to protect public health. And then you have members of the public and they're saying, well, okay, that's fine, but I need to make rent. I need to pay my mortgage. I need to be able to make my car payment. I need to be able to continue, uh, you know, my child's in a private school. I have to pay for that. I mean, it's, it's pushing an agenda that is lacking in empathy, completely lacking in empathy. And it's being presented as, well, this is the right thing to do. This is a necessary thing to do. This is the rational thing to do. And I think that you cannot push any kind of mandate. I don't care who you are. You can't push... You can't implement any kind of mandate if you are not taken into consideration the totality 
of the effects of that mandate. You just, you have to, you have to, um, because for me that, that, that's part of being rational. That's part of being rational. And, and, and the commitment to understanding or show, at least showing an understanding of the, the adverse effects of a mandate that's that for me is also going to contribute to the mandate's success. Now, I want to kind of pivot somewhat. Uh, I want to continue to talk about this, but I want to go in a different direction, a little bit of a different direction. So, I've been trying to articulate the kind of, um, you know, the 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 amalgam, if you will, of of emotions that people are feeling, the people, and there was um, an article about the the racism, the horrible remarks that Mayor Wu has been subject to since she has presented her plans for a vaccine mandate. Now, let me just say, I've been pretty clear online. I'll be pretty clear right now. There is no excuse for racism. None. Zero. No one deserves to be on the receiving end of any kind of verbal abuse, any kind of... uh, know, racist, uh, you know, racist attacks of any kind. I think it's, I think it's appalling. And, you know, it kind of, the fact that there have, have been some remarks made. I mean, I, I would like to see, I'm not calling Mayor Wu a liar, but I would, I would like to see, you know, some of what, has been said. Um, You know, I've seen some ignorant remarks made um, here and there, uh, some remarks that I do, I do see as racist and most decent-minded people, in fact, all decent-minded people, I I would think, would would look at that and at least say, what is this? (laughs) What kind of, what kind of person says this kind of thing? What kind of person thinks this kind of thing? But it's kind of, it speaks to, as I started to say, a point that I made a little bit earlier, that just like you're going to always have certain people who have, like, their certain, their issues, no matter what. So you have the anti-vaxxers, and I'm not trying to acquaint anti-vaxxers with being racist. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you have people who are always going to be talking about certain issues. It, it could be, um, it could be pollution in, in, in our oceans. It could be, it could be anti-vax, <laughs> uh, you know, anti-vaccinations. It, it could be um, homeschooling. It could be, it could be anything. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. These issues matter to people for whatever reason or reasons, right? Um, by the same 
well, I don't even know if I want to say by the same token, you're going to have people who are always decent. Um, they they try to express themselves, even if they're upset with a certain amount of decorum. And then you're going to have people that no matter what's going on, they're going to express themselves. And quite frankly, they're going to, to just come across as knuckle, knuckle draggers, you know, mouth breathers. So there are always going to be people with their issues. There are always going to be decent people. There are always going to be people who aren't so decent, to say the least. And that's what it is. But, you know, all of that doesn't make the attacks or the remarks, the racist remarks or the you know misogynistic remarks um, that have been directed toward Mayor Wu any less um, acceptable. Um, it, it's it's terrible. Again, I, I, I mean, from what Mayor Wu is saying, it seems like there's a tsunami of, of remarks, uh, comments, and, and hateful messages. Uh, again, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I hesitate because I'm obviously not calling her a liar, but it's like, could we see some of this? Um, I have seen, like I said, some ignorant remarks. But what I really do want to say and what I do want to express in this segment is that more than anything, what I've seen is that just that anger and frustration that I that I referenced and, and spoke to. That's what I'm seeing more than anything. That people don't care about Michelle Wu's, you know, what city or town she comes from. You know, she comes from Barrington. She comes from Barrington. What people care about and and her and her ethnicity, her ethnic descent. Uh, people people don't care about that and that's that's how it should be you know in any decent civilized community city town society that's how it should be what i've seen the overwhelming remarks and comments that i've seen is people are frustrated they're upset about the mandate and they don't feel like they're being heard because they're worried about the impact that I spoke to, but Mayor Wu's not speaking to it. And her allies, her political allies, are not speaking to it. Now, I want to make another point during this segment. Mayor Wu is right to speak up for herself. She absolutely is. I think that if you're under fire, you have a right to defend yourself. Um, even if the criticism is legitimate, and I'm speaking more broadly now, you know, freedom of speech and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you have the right to, to speak up for yourself, right? But what I'm concerned about, and I hope that this isn't the start of a pattern, is I don't want Mayor Wu to talk about racism and misogyny every time she's met with criticism. Because 
like I said, a lot of the criticism that I've seen is focused on her policies, her policies. That's, that's the source of ire. And I think it's wrong to kind of categorically paint any kind of criticism of her policies, whether it's this mandate or something else, you know, chalk it up to racism and misogyny. Mayor Wu has been very, I would say, almost blessed because she really hasn't been challenged. In fact, none of the women who were elected to the Boston City Council, none of them were really challenged while on the council. And I'm not talking, when I say challenged, I'm not talking about someone being, you know, nasty and, and hostile and aggressive and combative. I'm just talking about people asking questions and saying, okay, you have this idea, L- let's defend it. Or, 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 you know, let's, you know, make your case because I'm not convinced. So you have uh, Lydia Edwards. You have Andrea Campbell. You have um, uh, Anissa Sabi George. You know, Ayanna Presley now, of course, is in Congress. Um, and Michelle Wu and, and Kim Janey. So all these women, we... I mean, if you if you were to just completely buy into the hype, the ground underneath, you know, un- underneath uh, their feet, it trembled because they were just so great and fabulous and wonderful. And what I'm saying is that's not how it is in this country. That's not how it should be. They're not superheroes. You know, yeah, yeah, sisterhood. Oh, you know, moms, show them how moms get things done. I don't even want to hear it. They're public servants, period. And what I'm talking about is accountability, and there hasn't really been any accountability for these women, one of whom, again, is Michelle Wu, now Mayor Wu. And so she worked for Menino for several years. Then she was a city councilor. But if you hold office, you should have to answer questions. And when people express their concerns, your constituents, you should be ready to listen. That's how it goes. We don't have royalty in this country, right? (laughs) And our politicians, our elected officials, I should say, our public servants are not de facto celebrities. At least that's not how it should be. A little earlier, uh, a few weeks ago, I should say, Michelle Wu expressed surprise almost sadness that people had not ha- have not been approaching her i had not been approaching her uh on her on her commutes you know she you know takes the tea here and there because i'm sorry michelle wu has made too many comments uh that really kind of um 
reveal someone who's not really, um, shall we say, familiar <laughs> with with the tea. Uh, there have been too many comments made that you say to yourself, okay, if you took the tea as much as you said you, you say you do, uh, you would know that. So anyway, she she expressed kind of uh, a disappointment, a, sa- a sadness that might be, you know, too strong of a word, but, you know, a disappointment that I think that's more an apt word that people hadn't uh, come up to her. And I, I mean, again, she's a public servant. She's not a celebrity. <laughs> she's, I mean, what does she expect? People to, oh my gosh, there's Maya Wu. Oh my God, I'm going to see if I can get a selfie. I hope I can get a selfie. I mean, that, that's not, I mean, you're a public servant. You're a public servant, and and on the T, people just people want to be left alone in general. They want to be left alone, and they'll and they're going to leave you alone. <laughs> um, so it it's just I I don't know. It, it's it you know all of this has left me really kind of um, I think angry and frustrated myself. So again, Mayor Wu has every right to defend herself under no circumstances should she be subject to racial and misogynistic attacks but please don't hide behind the race and gender cards pull those cards to avoid to deflect any kind of criticism because again people's bottom line is being affected. And I think that we've talked so much about race where it really isn't relevant that I think right now people are suffering from a fatigue. And so people just don't want to hear it. It's not that people don't want to be sensitive. It's not that people um, have decided that they're going to act on or, you know, embrace intolerance or something like that. It's nothing like that. It's just people have a fatigue. And they want to be able to talk about the issues and they don't want to be distracted. They just, they want to talk about the issues that aren't being talked about because of the race and gender cards, because of this, because of that. They they just, they, they don't want to hear anything anymore but what is essential. What I'm going to do, though, now is I'm going to go to a quick break. Uh, You know, that was a lot to digest. (laughs) As usual, there's plenty to say. There's plenty to kind of um, sift through. And, you know, today's, tonight's episode has been no different. So we're going to go to a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about um, some more issues that I think that are fairly topical. You went car shopping, you meant business. You aced vehicle history searches and test drives. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. 
Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Potential is everywhere. It's in every child and every community. Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts works to transform communities by empowering, defending, and igniting the potential of youth across Eastern Massachusetts, ensuring every child has the support from caring adults that they need for healthy development and success in life. Big Brothers Big Sisters fosters one-to-one mentoring relationships between child and adult, helping the youth in our communities achieve their fullest potential. But at any given moment, there are hundreds of children in our region in need of a caring adult role model. Do you have what it takes to become a defender of potential? You can learn more at massbaybigs.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Uh, My name is Rachel Meiselin. You have been listening to me since the top of the hour uh, on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is, of course, Boston's community radio station. So before we went on break, I spoke about Mayor Wu and the vaccine mandate and the vaccine passports and what I think should have been done uh, a lot sooner prior to the election of Mayor Wu. But now that she's in office, uh, she has a responsibility to do what others before her and around her um, have not done or have not been doing. Uh, So I want to kind of uh, keep on talking about what people should be doing (laughs) and, of course, what people are not doing. Now, what I have said in the past is that I'm a populist, and I think that that comes through very much loud and clear everything, you know, and everything that I say. It's, It's really... You know, we're living in in a country that's very much, it's it revolves around the people. And it always astounds me the, the amount of deference, reverence that is given to elected officials. And people go to these, so it's not only the deference, the the reverence, really, um, but it's also, you know, people go to these politicians to get maybe a job or, 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 you know, some other kind of favor or help. And then you have some elected officials that, that understand why they're there. And they're grateful and, and they help and they do what they can. They want to make sure that their communities thrive. And so they, they help. They, they help foster, you know, they, they do what they can to foster positive change. Then you have other, other, um, <laughs> people that have been elected to public office and you know these are the politicians and they 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 believe their their own hype they 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 inhale it <laughs> uh 
24-7. They get drunk off it. And it's, it's just they're difficult to be around. And so they really, they get off on like, you know, this power trip because they can make things happen. They can get someone that job or they can do that favor or they can make a difference if someone is trying to stay in his or her apartment or if someone has um, had a a negative experience with, I don't know, um, maybe another governmental agency uh, or any myriad of issues that you could imagine that a constituent might have. And so, again, you you have some of these these people who've been elected to, to public office. They really, it, it goes to their heads. And it's, I, I personally have a difficult time being around them because, you know, I always think to myself, you wouldn't be in the position to help anybody if the people didn't put you in that position. And so if you're helping them, you're only doing what you were elected to do. That's the way I see it. Um, But unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize the power that they have. One of my heroes, Shirley Chisholm, before... Congresswoman Presley tried to, (laughs) um, you know, kind of um, paint herself as 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 uh, the new Shirley Chisholm, Um, and and there's very much a difference between, you know, Shirley Chisholm, what Shirley Chisholm stood for, and, and what Ayanna Presley stands for, and what she's all about. But that's another story for another time. But my point is. You know, before all these different people um, started invoking Shirley Chisholm, including Congresswoman Presley, you know, and, and so many others, um, I actually was talking about her. And I just, I found her remarkable. I find her remarkable. Um, we sorely need people like Shirley Chisholm today. And so I think when she passed, it wasn't only a loss um, for the people that she had helped and represented, um, but also for the political world, because she was someone who was really very, very decent, I think. And she really had something to say. You know, even her sound bites were really not, they weren't really, I don't think, sound bites. They were, they were more, it was more, it was more food for thought that she was presenting. Truisms, things that you really wanted to, to really kind of, um, wrap your head around and hang on to. And uh, so, you know, along with invoking Shirley Chisholm, you know, a lot of her quote, uh, a lot of things that she said, you know, uh, you know, are are, are often um, being 
regurgitated, right? So if you don't have a seat at the table, pull up a folding chair and, you know, things to that nat- uh, of that nature. And I think that for me, <laughs> one of the... One of the things that Shirley Chisholm said that really had an impact on me, as she said in one speech, she talked about the one thing that you have going that you know that you have going for you that we have going for us is our one vote, and really just I remember watching her speech, the whole speech. I mean, it's just you know. My, the hairs on my arms stood up, you know, goosebumps. But that really kind of, for me, was something tremendously profound because it really is all about the people. I mean, obviously, you know, politicians, they do what they can, you know, name recognition and, you know, money and 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 it's an unfortunate reality but i mean you do need money you do <laughs> it's really hard to to run a campaign without it i know um i have shared that i chose not to fundraise until i got on the ballot um you know i only asked for like the bare minimum um and I, I managed to get my name out there, um, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's, you, you do need money. You, you really do. Um, I made an exceptional decision. I stand by it. I'm proud of it. Um, I looked around me. I saw people were scared, and I said, you know what? Let me get on the ballot. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but I don't regret my decision at all. It was an exceptional time, so I thought an exceptional decision needed to be made. Um, but I'm going to say that, yeah, money, money, money's really important. However, what is more important than money, more important than name recognition is as Shirley Chisholm said, the late great Shirley Chisholm, our one vote, the vote that we have to cast in every election, that that is is more powerful than that. That's 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 more momentous than any kind of <laughs> I I don't know strategy ploy. Anything that you could possibly think of, it's just, it's everything. It really, truly is. And, you know, of course, with that vote comes the responsibility. We have to, I think, as, as people, um, you know, the electorate, the people, we need to be well-informed, and, and we have to do a little bit of the legwork ourselves. I mean, we can't just be lazy about it. I mean, that's... That's just my opinion. Um, you know, very recently, I was talking uh, to a woman, and I, I was started to share some of the story before I went on the air. And, uh, you know, I was talking to a woman, 
and she was pretty she was pretty upset and she was you know, really it was a rant about the politicians and about what they weren't going to do and how they were talking but they weren't going to keep you know they were making promises to her son but they weren't going to keep them you know politicians you can't trust them and i said do you vote no no i don't vote you need to vote. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I need to vote. Mm. I talked to this woman again. I found out she's not even registered to vote. I kind of looked at her. You know, I have looks. <laughs> I have, like, different looks that I give. I just kind of looked at her. Now it's kind of like she didn't really talk to me. <laughs> we don't, like, really. I, I think, like, after those those two conversations, particularly, like, the last one in which she revealed that she's not even registered to vote. Like, I, I don't really see us like having much of a conversation, like moving forward because I, I mean, I was, I was nice, but I kind of looked at her. I said, well, you know, if you want or whenever you're ready or whenever, you, yeah, whenever you want, I can, I can help you register. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And I'm just standing there looking at her like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it, I mean, my attitude is, is I, I don't want to hear her complain anymore. And I think she got the message from that look that I gave her that, well, because you don't vote, you're not even registered. Like, I don't want to hear it. So, yeah, our vote is so powerful. It's, it's just, it's everything, right? Um, but I did say that I wanted to talk more about what others need to be doing, but they're not doing. And, you know, once again, I'll, I'll have a few words to say about the Massachusetts Republican Party. It's imperative that there's an alternative. It, people need to have a choice. It's it's not okay for elections to take place where there's literally no Republican on the ballot. I, it's just, I mean, if it happens here and there, okay. But this is a consistent thing. And it's it's maddening. And, you know, what... The GOP in this state wastes its time on. So the latest target, or one of the latest targets of the GOP is this kid named Anthony Collins. Now, Anthony Collins is a political operative. Um, he's now working on the Sonia Chang Diaz gubernatorial campaign before that, he was working on Kendra Hicks' campaign, uh, who's counselor, um, District 6 counselor-elect, the Boston City Council. And <laughs> it's, okay. Anthony Collins, I don't, I'm not a fan of his policy. One, or, you know, in his different positions. One of his positions, he's very anti-police. So I 
I had to like do a double take. I had to look and look and look because I saw, you know, I'm active on social media and I saw something that he had posted. He actually was a profile picture and he was wearing um, a beanie hat that said ACAB on it, which means all cops are. And, you know, I don't want to say the word. I think most people know what ACAB means. And it's it's horribly offensive. Now, even though I find it very offensive as an individual, people are free to wear it. But if you're a public figure, and I consider him a public figure because he's a pretty well-known political operative at this point, I think that you have to exercise a certain amount of judgment and how you present yourself and how you speak. And so the mass GOP saw fit to comment on this and said, well, this is true. Unfortunately, I'm paraphrasing now um, of, you know, the Democratic attitude toward police well, first of all, not all Democrats think like that. Um, so I'll say that. But second of all, okay, to what end are you releasing this statement? And quite frankly, the GOP, 10 minutes prior, had no idea who Anthony Collins was. I mean, they don't even know what's going on. Jim Lyons isn't even, I mean, he he's just along for the ride. Okay. So again, I've I've, I've criticized him for not having a cohesive message, but it's also just not really knowing what's going on, not being aware of all the moving pieces, and that's unacceptable. I mean, 10 minutes prior to releasing this statement, he didn't know the difference between Anthony Collins and Tom Collins, the drink. So, you know, like, so then why bother releasing a statement? And um, I have to get this in there. The Boston Herald is taking credit for breaking the story. And it's like, no, the Boston Herald did not break this story. I broke it. I was the one who broke that Anthony Collins, who is this fairly well-known, as I said, political operative, was wearing a beanie hat in his Twitter profile pic that said all cops are. I'm the one who broke that. So it's, it's, but that's, the Herald doing, you know, claiming credit for something that I broke. That's a, that's for another story, uh, another time, another place. Um, I can talk about that. But to get back to the GOP, I'm tired of their statements about this one and that one. To what end? If you're not going to recruit people to run for different positions, for different offices, if you're not, you, I mean, the GOP cannot just be the party of no. It cannot be the party of, oh, no, they didn't. They have to offer an alternative. And it's just, I don't know how many different ways I can say that. So, yes, people need to be informed they need to flex. They need to wield that one vote that they have in every election. However, 
in this state, particularly in Boston, in this area, they need to offer the Massachusetts Republican Party, they need to offer a competing message. They need to offer viable candidates. And when I say viable, I mean people that are qualified to run for the office. Uh, they're qualified for, the, for the, the office for which they're running. They need to offer people who can articulate that message. And I'm not talking about parroting Jim Lyons. I'm just talking about articulating the core values of the GOP. And, you know, I say this so much and all the time, and it gets really frustrating because it's like, okay, fine, you release these messages, you get out these digs, you, you throw out these digs, you own people on Twitter. I, anyway, I could, <laughs> I could go on and on and on, but it, it, that's all we have time for. I'll pick up next week. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. This is Bostonian Rap. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.